This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you in this hour for this privilege of joining together and being a part of a team who give, who pray, and who are sending. We thank you for Alita, Lord. Thank her for the tender heart you gave her and for the call you gave her while she was young and for how you've guided her and she's gotten trained, she's worked hard and got training so that she can go and minister in Ghana, Africa. She's yours, Lord. She's given it all to you. She's letting go of things here in this wonderful land, land of freedom and joys that we have to go over there, be, have your hand upon her to use her and enable her to touch the hearts of those Ghanans and point them to Jesus. You are the one who saves, but you use human instrumentality to touch people's hearts and show them the love of Christ. Oh, I pray, Lord, Your presence will go with her. You will bless her that those that gather around her over there, the leadership, that they'll work as a team with Your wonderful power and blessing upon them till the kingdom of the enemy will be shaken and driven back and men and women come to know Christ and follow You, learn Your ways, become truly devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Bless her, Lord. Bless the family. We know it's difficult in these days, but we pray that You will give them the strength, give them the the courage. and, And Lord, as Alita flies out on Thursday, we pray, Lord, that You will... You will just give her the sense of your loving presence, your arms of strength and power around about her, and that you will use her in this, in this land to do this mighty work that you have called her to do. So together, as a congregation and as a group gathered around the front, around her, we commission her today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to do the work that you have called her to do with great power and success. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Shake hands and then you may be seated. At this time, we're going to ask our church board chairman, um, Ralph Bland, to come and make a presentation. Thank you. Uh, On behalf of our church, we would like to present Olita with a gift that uh, we trust she'll be able to use as she goes to Ghana and ministers there. And also, I would like to read a a letter that Pastor Joe wrote uh, since he wasn't able to be here. Uh, He wanted to have this read. Olita, I'm sorry that I was unable to be here for your commissioning, but you can blame your fellow missionaries, Gabe and Erica, for their poor timing as we're helping them to move to New York City. Please know, however, that I am so incredibly proud of you Your commitment to God and to the people of Ghana is very inspirational to me. As I've gotten to know you over the past few months, my admiration for you has skyrocketed. I believe that not only is your heart right, but when it comes to mission strategy, your head is also right. As you go out, count on the fact that we we will be rooting for you. You will be in our prayers Even though we may not officially be your church home, yet we are still claiming you if you will allow us to. Go in peace and know that we are backing you. 
your friend and adopted pastor, Joe Tressel. Man, we do believe in Alita and what she's doing, and we're going to be supporting her with our finances and prayers and uh, praying for her family. And uh, it's going to be a tough, tough thing for them as, as well. Well, this morning, um, as you can see, we're kind of a skeleton crew here. Uh, we've got a lot of people gone. Pastor is gone. Um, but we've got uh, someone who, who is able to fill in this morning. This is a, a new face that's really an old face. And I've only been here for 20-something years. So um, I wasn't here when he uh, pastored this church back in the 1970s. Um, but uh, he's a great pastor. I've, I've really appreciated his music ministry. He's got such a, a gift and talent. Um, I've been to camp meetings that he's led the music and different things, and I know he's got a heart for God, and I know he's got a word from God this morning for us. So please welcome Richard Beckham. Thank you. We miss our pastor today. I do. Becca, did they make it? I mean, partway, Pennsylvania, no, no, no blowouts. They're already there. Whoa, I thought they may have stopped at Paul's today. Okay. Somebody said, we're really praying for you, Pastor, addressing me as that. I said, well, pray for a couple of things. Pray desperately that the Lord will help me to learn how to play the trumpet like Pastor Joe. And pray that I'll be able to preach like Pastor Joe. Both of them. It's going to take divine intervention. (laughs) It is so neat to be with you today. And I consider this an honor. Yes, I was pastor here back in the late 70s. And when the first first set of buildings was put out here. And what a... We've never gotten over El Dorado Springs. And so we're moving back. God willing start construction in the 1st of August. And I wish it could be sooner, but that's the first they could get to me. But uh, I don't think I'll be quite in the league of Dennis Greenwood. He said that when they moved here from, where was it, Nebraska? Somewhere out west. It took them 37 round trips to get it all done. So we're on about 10. We'll make it. Listen, I want to share with you today on a subject called spiritual addition, spiritual addition. And um, we'll go to this passage in in just a little while. But by way of introduction, I was a conference speaker some few years ago at a a meeting uh, in one of our western states. And prior to the beginning of the service, I was doing what preachers often do, politicians. (laughs) politicians. <laughs> I was uh, just mingling among the people and greeting them, introducing myself, and just making conversation, trying to create that bond, you understand. And I happened by this mother, this lady who had an infant in her arms, and just to make conversation, I greeted her, introduced myself, and I said, how old is the baby? I hadn't really looked at the baby very closely at that point, and I saw immediately a very pained expression come over her face. That prompted me to really look at the child, and I discovered, uh, to my sorrow, uh, that there was something dreadfully, dreadfully wrong. 
uh, it looked like an infant in terms of its size and all, but there were other telltale signs that it was not a baby. Uh, it was much older than what at first appeared. And with pained expression, she said to me, he's seven years old. I didn't know what to say. I was left speechless. Here is this precious baby, alive. It had been born. The miracle had transpired for, transpired for sure. But this precious baby had never learned how to sit up, never learned how to, to drink from a sippy cup, or had not learned how to crawl, uh, had not learned how to stand. Here it was, seven years old, still drinking from a bottle, still in its mother's arms. I've never gotten over that. There was sadness. I've thought about that scene. Boy, you could see it on that mother's countenance. This child had been seriously impaired for reasons that I don't know. But it had never developed. You know, Peter is concerned in a similar way, but spiritually. He says to a group of Christians, You have faith. That's wonderful. You have spiritual life. That's glorious. But is that all? And he answers that question rhetorically. There's much more. There's development. There's progress. There's learning. There's addition. And there's tremendous blessing associated with that addition. Peter makes, Peter makes about three promises in this passage that are absolutely mind-blowing. So unreal, you'd think it's an election year promise that nobody intends to keep. Yeah, man, you know anything about that? <laughs> but he makes these unapologetically. The first thing he says to these Christians, he says, I promise you, I want to assure you that you're going to be productive you're going to be fruit-bearing. You're not going to be sterile. You're going to be astonishingly effective, successful Christians. Anybody interested in that? Amen. Of course we are. We love the Lord. If that isn't fantastic enough, he makes still another promise that I can almost hear people say, Ah, come on, get real. He says, I want to promise you that you will never stumble. Whoa. That you will never fall. That seems absolutely too good to be true. And I admit it. It's far out there. It's far out there. But he makes it authoritatively. And then he says, a third promise. He says, I want to tell you, one more thing, I'm going to assure you, I'm going to promise you that when transition time comes and you get ready to make your entrance into heaven, you're not going to just barely get by. You're not going to make it in just by the skin of your teeth, as it were. You're going to have an abundant entrance. You're going to have a glorious entrance. 50 miles of elbow room on each side. <laughs> the bands are going to be playing. The angels in chorus will be resounding. You'll have 
a glorious entrance into heaven. We can be productive. We'll never stumble or fall. And we can have a glorious entrance into heaven. Those are the three promises that Peter makes in this passage. Anybody interested? Boy, you ought to be. I'm interested. You say, well, it's got to be a catch. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't call it a catch. I would call it a condition. He alludes to some things that we need to do. Some attention that we need to give. And he identifies this condition as these things. We're going to read the passage now. A little longer than what I normally like to read. But look for it in the latter part. That couplet. These things. These things. These things. He puts a premium on these things. So let's go to Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. If you want to follow along, it's on the screen. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His precious, great, and precious promises, so that through them you may be partakers in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then here is a pivotal verse. For this very reason, in light of what God has provided for us. Make every effort. I think the King James says, give all diligence. Put yourself into this. Don't be ambivalent or careless or indifferent. Be interested. Pursue. Make every effort to add. That's where I come up with this spiritual addition thing. Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Now, now here, begin looking. For if you possess these qualities, if you possess these qualities, he's just enumerated, in increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, these things, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager. Again, be diligent. Give all effort to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So reads the first 15 verses. Now, I think you've probably already discovered from whence I receive this assurance from Peter that these three wonderful promises are not without backing. But before we get to that again, I think it's always important when you're dealing with Scripture 
to discern, first of all, who's he writing to? Who's he in endeavoring to communicate with? So let's answer that question before we get first, first, further. Let me just tell you, first of all, these were clearly Christian people. Can we agree to that? Let's look at verse 1. To those, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as mine, as precious as ours. You receive the same faith, and it's a precious faith, as, as precious as ours. Verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance. He wishes them grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, are you with me? His divine power, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Verse 4 is kind of a comprehensive uh, declaration of their state of grace. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You're, you're a part of the divine nature. God is changing you, and you've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, I've just gone through that. That seems a little tedious. But what I wanted to insist upon is that these were clearly Christians. They aren't in a backslidden state. They're in a good state of grace. They have faith. They've been born again. But are you here? They are also very, very needy. That's the reason he comes to verse 5. And he says, in spite of all this and because of all this, give all diligence. Give all diligence. I mean, set yourself to this. Add to your faith these things. Make every effort. Don't, don't get indifferent about this. Just beg God for it. Be interested in it. And he says, add to your faith these things. Now, we look at what he is asking us to add. What are they? The first thing he says is goodness. I think you're King James, if you're reading from that. It's virtue. Goodness. What do I mean by that? I thought God made us good, and he does. When we ask him for forgiveness, do you not know that there's no way we can earn it? Not one scintilla of it. Can you accept that? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not one thing you can do. Amen? Say amen to that because, friends, that's true. We are saved by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ who has paid the penalty for our sins and he's applied his blood to our hearts and, and eradicated our sins from his forgiveness, uh, from his remembrance and we're accounted as though we had never sinned. But we shouldn't stay there. In that baby infant stage. I just corresponded this past week with a newly minted Christian. Oh, he hadn't been saved all that long. And he was rejoicing with me in that when he was justified, and that was his favorite word, when he was justified, that there were people, Christians around him, 
that, uh, that were merciful. And he said, you know, after I was saved, I continued to smoke pot. He said, furthermore, for a time, he said, I also continued drinking. And he enumerated some other stuff. But he said it wasn't long until I discerned that my pot smoking, whatever, I don't know that it was just that. Kind of suspicion there may have been some other stuff. But he said that was incompatible with my new life in Christ. And I asked God, please, free me from this addiction. And God did. But he said, I went on drinking. Never thought a thing about it. Until one day God said, no, that isn't my will for you either. And so he asked, he said, I asked God to take my alcohol addiction away from me. And he did. And then he went on in his correspondence and he said, you know, probably there are some other stuff. And I wanted to say, yeah, probably. But I was rejoicing with him that there was mercy and patience and there were people around him that uh, didn't uh, expect instant, uh, what shall I say, maturity and understanding. But what Peter is saying here is that while God justifies us and saves us and forgives us, and makes us a child of God and makes us fit for heaven, there's a regenerating process, a renewing of the mind. Are you with me here today? And we will begin to see some things that are inconsistent with our walk with God. And, and we walk in the light. Huh? That's what we call walking in the light. And these things fall off. Amen? And so we add goodness. There, there, there is still no sense in which we're earning our salvation. That has been given to us as a gift. But because God has now li lived in and is living in my heart, He makes me want to become like Him. Can you all say amen to that? So there is goodness. And then He goes on, add to your goodness knowledge. Aren't you glad you don't have to know too much to be saved? Good thing. It's a good thing. You need to know that you're a sinner. You do need to know that you're on the way to, to hell. You need to know that Jesus died for your sins. And you do, do need to know that, that he can forgive you. Beyond that, you just really don't need to know too much. You don't need to know whether... Uh, the rapture is going to take place in the middle of the tribulation or at the beginning of the tribulation or whatever. Huh? Isn't that right? It's a good thing. I still don't know. After 50 some odd years of preaching and studying, I'm not, I hope those guys that believe in the rapture at the first, I hope they're right. But while you don't have to know too much, you shouldn't stay there. I know people who've been saved for 15 years that don't know any more about the ways of God than they knew at the very beginning. That's a shame. 
we're to get to know his heart. Like you get to know your spouse. Huh? You think you know her. <laughs> you think you know him when you're first married. Kid yourself. It's when you live with them and you learn their nuances and and then you really get to know them. Sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not so good. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know his ways. He wants you to know his heart. So there is this matter of knowledge. But then he goes on and said self-control. You say, wait a minute. This sounds like a self-help program. Now, every good thing comes from above. And it's only God's power and nature living in me that enables me to change. But I would tell you that God wants us to be interested, not just a passive character here that just, God, if you want to bless me, bless me. No, I, w- I want this. And I needed self-control. Because, you see, I'm kind of a high-strung, high-intensity sort of a guy. I kid my wife. I said, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneurial type. I kind of like to live on the edge. If you could, if you could, uh, I like to take risks, not afraid to plunge. If you were to graph the kind of life that she prefers, it would be one endless line, one endless straight line. No valleys, no peaks, just on out to eternity. So she probably doesn't have to pray quite as much as I have to pray. Because um, I I need a lot of things brought under control. I need my passions brought under control. I need my tongue brought under control. Amen? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah. I need my thoughts brought under control. And I've spent many an hour praying and pleading, oh God. Just because I think it when I'm dealing with some jerk, I don't have to say it. I don't have to say everything I think. I need to control this tongue. A soft answer turneth away wrath, huh? Self-control. You know what limits our effectiveness so many times as Christians? There's no self-control. We just, if it feels good, do it. You know, just. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave that there. We're, we're to add self-control, and then perseverance, stick-to-itiveness, staying with it. You know, we're spoiled in this country. I haven't, I'm having trouble with this thing. It doesn't fit my ear. Joe must have little ears. <laughs> We, we're in, it's instant gratification. You know, if I want coffee, I got up this morning. Within just a few a minute, I got my coffee. If I want something warm, put it in the microwave. Fifteen seconds, there it is. That can spoil us. It, it, it's, it, it, it makes for a, a rather easy existence, and we want things quick, and we want them tidy, and. It can, it can spoil us until we, we're not very tough. 
And Peter says, I want you to add perseverance. It's not going to always be easy. There will be times in order to be a disciple, you've got to absorb some things. You've got to press through some things. Amen, veteran Christians? Isn't that true? We thought, oh, wow, if I gave my heart, give my heart to God, it's going to be roses and flowers the rest of our days. Nah. Learn to hang in there when the going gets tough. Perseverance. I, I wish each one of these I could just preach a whole message on. And, and then godliness. Godlikeness. Practice that. Pursue that. Oh, God, I want to be like you in every situation. I don't want to overreact. I don't want to underreact. Amen? You know, I, I say this if there are young Christians here. Sometimes we look at the old veterans and they never miss it. They always have the perfect poise. They always say the right thing. They always show this right emotion. And we despair, apparently. I don't have it. Oh, I guess I must. my mind must not be real. Listen to me, honey. They've been practicing for 40 years hitting the bullseye. They very seldom ever miss. But they've been at it for a while. I want to hit the bullseye every time. But sometimes I overshoot. Sometimes I undershoot. That's the reason you need to have a good reverse gear, by the way. I had a guy say to me, God has made my heart pure. I never have to apologize. I said, whoopee-doo. You go, you're glorified. <laughs> I have to. My, I've about worn out my rear gear. My reverse gear. Back up. Let's do this again. Kids, kids, I overreacted. Sorry. Amen? Godliness. Practice godliness. Godlikeness. Have you ever been around people that just to be around them, they made, it, they made you want to be more like Jesus? Amen. Well, let's get this list. Brotherly kindness. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, friends. How the world would change if we'd all learn to be kind. Just kind. I told the early morning group, I was in a restaurant here a while back, and my waiter came to wait on me. Now, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. He made me so disgusted. He had metal all over him. He had metal in his eyebrows. He had metal all up and down his ears. The worst thing, he had uh, something right up in there. And I wanted to say, uh, pardon me, would you like to use my handkerchief and blow that thing out? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and then when he took my arm, I noticed he couldn't talk very well. And uh, I looked and I thought he had a big, some kind of ball right there in the middle of his tongue. He, he couldn't cut, he hadn't learned and I just got mad. I, I started, What in the world are you thinking? But then just that quick, the Lord smoked me. 
And he said, Beckham, you're never going to win him that way. You're never going to win this person to, to the Lord by railing at them. They need to know that they're loved just as they are with all this stuff. Just that quick, boy, you talk about self-control. I threw it in reverse gear. And it began to exhibit the most caring attitude that God could create in me. Bragging on his good job. And he was doing a good job. Just couldn't understand him. <laughs> Amen. Kindness. On the job. <laughs> when we're driving down the highway and somebody cuts us off. Amen. Dear Lord, help me. Help us, Jesus. Idiot! <laughs> Seriously. Kindness. It's amazing sometimes when people have given interesting gestures to me when, I, um, when I've just been trying to do a good job driving. It's amazing how things de-accelerate when I just briefly put my hands out the window like this and basically saying, I'm sorry. Sorry. Kindness. You know where it's hardest to exhibit kindness, though? I'm being transparent. When I'm out here in front of you and I'm out in, in about town, I, I'm typically on guard, you know, even though I, I want to jerk you up by the collar, you know. <laughs> uh, I've learned to pace. Just be nice. Be kind. But then I go home. And there's my precious wife. And I'm so frustrated. I got bite a nail in two. And the first little thing she does, I take it all out on her. Come on, guys. Being, I'm being transparent here. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because I can't let you see <laughs> this frustration. But she's... She's at home, and she's, she loves me unconditionally. And, but many, many has been the time I've had to weepingly go back to her and say, Baby, I'm sorry. You did not deserve that. You had not. What did I do wrong? Nothing. You caught what so-and-so. I felt like giving. <laughs> I'm just talking honestly here, friends. We need to practice kindness at home probably more than any place else. And everybody said, Amen. And then he gives the cap sheet. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Love. Love. That's the, that's the ultimate. Just be a person of love. I, I, I love to reflect on the heritage that I have. I had an incredible father and mother. Some of you knew them. They lived in this community. And they loved some of you. Oh, did they love you. 
I, uh, my father only had a sixth grade education. He only went to the sixth grade. Big family of nine kids. And in the sixth grade, he had to drop out and uh, begin helping to make the living. And I've said he only had a sixth grade education. But he had his Ph.D. in knowing how to love people. And friends, if I'm going to excel in anything, I want to... I want to excel in this department. I want to excel in my ability to exude love. Just, I want it to flow out of my pores. Amen? There's nothing more attractive. Well, that completes the list. But the import of this is that Peter is saying, if you will add these things, there will be blessing. Oh, I probably ought to mention to you, he gives a warning, it's up on the screen, a warning if we do not add these things to our faith. Verse 9, let's look at it. But if anyone does not have them, these things, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. He's kind of being short-sighted. But let's not dwell there on the negative. I want to get to the blessing part. You remember that? threefold promise that I gave you that you're going to be productive that you'll never stumble or fall and that you're going to have an abundant interest into heaven you interested in that let's go there look at verse 8 for if 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 you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying, if you will give yourself to this, if you'll get on the stretch for God and pursue Him and add these things to your faith, you're going to have some sheaves to lay at His feet. You're going to have some trophies to present. Amen. You're going to be a person of impact. Do you want to save your families? Do you want to take your relative with you? Do you want to be effective in your community? He is saying, add these faith, things to your faith. And I promise you, you won't have to worry about it. It'll just happen. You will be effective as a Christian. That's good news. Amen. Don't have to go to theological school. It'll, it'll, just, it'll just happen. You'll be so so attractive. Verse 10. Let's go to the second part of this. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager and make your calling and election sure. For if, if, if you do these things, here it is. Does it make you choke? He says, you will never fall. You will never stumble. Wow. I thought everybody stumbles. What he is saying here is that if you'll be on the stretch for all of God, if you'll be pursuing Him with a fervency, you don't have to worry about drifting away or falling away or stumbling. People who are on the stretch for all of God don't stumble and fall. You understand what I'm saying? It's when we get indifferent and we get become lackadaisical, we just get lazy, 
We just begin to presume on God. And that's when things begin to happen that have disastrous consequences. So I'm not suggesting here that we can walk our whole lifetime without stumbling. I can't claim that. God has given me an habitual victory over sin, but there are some times when I've had to say, God, forgive me. I missed it. Come on now. Don't make me feel like I'm the only one. But I want to tell you that in those times when I've pursued God and I've given all diligence to add these things to my faith, I don't have a problem with that stuff. It rolls off like water off a duck's back. Amen? Then he says in verse 11, And you, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're not going to just barely make it through. Hey, I want to tell you something. I want to get to heaven. I don't care if I have to just... I mean, I do care. But even if I squeeze under the wire, I want to say, thank you, God. What a miracle. But how much better to have an abundant entrance. The angels singing and the choirs shouting, welcome. Abundant entrance, 50 miles of elbow room on each side. What he is saying is that if you will give effort, priority, interest in these things, add these things to your faith, there will be a profound consequence in terms of your effectiveness, in terms of your ability to maintain your relationship with the Lord, and in terms of your entrance into heaven when it's all winding up. Friends, we have got good things ahead of us. Amen. Heaven. Jeremy sang that song a while ago, God's in control. What is even more thrilling is that God has something amazing waiting for us. Sometimes I say I'm so homesick for heaven, and yet let me get the sniffles and I run to the doctor, you know, but... I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what he has waiting for us. Hadn't even entered into my imagination the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But I want to make it and I want to take people with me and I don't want to be stumbling and falling around and I want to have an abundant entrance into heaven. And he says, if you'll practice spiritual addition, give it your priority, give it your attention you can have these wonderful assurances. Amen? Well, now, it's just been a joy to talk to you today, and I hope you found something from this passage that has been instructful and helpful to you. Next week, Pastor Joe plans to be back. Let's pray for his safety, and um, that they'll have... Let's pray they'll have a good time while they're out there. They need... Boy, you talk about people that work hard for us. They do. You never know how hard uh, and how many hours and hours of prayer and, and intercession that goes into to caring as a shepherd for his flock. And we have a wonderful... You know that. I don't need to uh, be cheerleading for Pastor Joe. He is the best. And we thank God for him. Let's stand. Thank you for being here today.
Darren, thank you for everything you've helped me with today. Do you want to come and pronounce the benediction, my brother? Man of many talents. Just a reminder that uh, we do not have service tonight, so enjoy some time with your family. And if anybody's interested in kids' camp, it starts a week from tomorrow. Um, you can see Rhonda, see Jane or I will also be at camp uh, doing different things. Um, if your child can't afford the payment, let us know. We've, we can get some scholarships and get some help there. Um, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Pastor Beckham, for, You're welcome. for blessing us this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for uh, this day that you've made. Lord, help us to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for reminding us who we are in Jesus Christ. Thank you for reminding us about these great promises that we have in your word. Let us go out and and live what we've heard. Lord, let us draw closer to you. Let us add those things to our lives. Let us be effective. Lord, let us uh, be your hands and your feet this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.